I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my team business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. Okay, Rockstar Nation, boy, oh boy, this is Real Estate Rockstars here. It's not Real Estate Peewees or Real Estate One Hit Wonders. This is Real Estate Rockstars, and today we have a true Real Estate Rockstar. Yes, a little history first. Barbara Corcoran and I communicated for the first time probably about 10 years ago when I started writing my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures. I was being coached by Jay Papazan from Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And as you know, uh, Gary Keller wrote the foreword to my book. And part of their coaching, they said, what I want you to do, Pat, is I want you to pick up a book by Barbara Corcoran called, at the time, she called it, if you don't have big breasts, put ribbons in your pigtails. Kind of awkward, and uh, but that was the name of the book. And it was basically a chronological book uh, detailing her life as a kid and lessons that she learned from her mom and how she used them in her business life. And it was a great book. But Jay said, I want you to do that. I want you to write a chronological ordered book of Pat Hyben's life. And so I did that. And in the editing process, eventually it was decided that, you know what, this might not be best served as a chronological book like Barbara Corcoran's, but, you know, why don't you make it more of a business book into, you know, your life in real estate and funnel it into, into a certain number of steps. And that's kind of how Six Steps to Seven Figures came about. And it went from 410 pages to about 200 pages in that process. But... You know, since then, Barbara went on to Shark Tank fame. Now she's, I believe she mentions in this episode, she shot over eight episodes, eight seasons, 12 seasons, something like that, of Shark Tank. She has uh, invested in some 32 companies with Shark Tank, and she owns a ton, and uh, I asked her this in the episode, a ton of real estate, and she just bought a $10 million high-rise. It's funny, the lady remembered her from when she uh, was an agent, when she was a broker, or even before that, actually, before her real estate career, uh, I think. Anyways, you'll hear the story in the episode. So a lot of you went on to Facebook for me, thank you very much, and wrote down you know, your favorite questions. Some of them I didn't think uh, were that good, so I didn't use them, but I used a lot of them. 
And to save time, what I'm going to do, let me, if you don't know who Barbara Corcoran is, oh, and to make a long story short, back to me writing the book. So then what I did is after I read that four or five times and created my book, I sent it to her and said, I used yours as a guide. What do you think of this? And she actually gave me some advice and she was kind enough to write me a testimonial, which I put uh, now on the back of my book and helps that helps sells a lot of books for me. So she was kind enough to do that. And then she was kind enough to come on the show after she saw the amazing amount of downloads that we were getting and she was willing to come on the show which by the way all this increase in downloads are is thanks to you guys out there for giving me five-star reviews the more that you go on and when you go on to your podcast subscribe the more subscribers that I have and the more reviews that I have the more downloads we get and the more people like Barbara are willing to come on More people like Robert Kiyosaki are willing to come on. So that all is very helpful. And then what Barbara ended up doing, actually, is uh, she ended up just changing the name of that book. I think you could still buy it, but it's the same book. She just changed the name to Shark Tales. Now she sells them all, but if if you read the reviews on that book, it'll say, hey, this is the same book as Big Breasts. I guess the editors told her, change it to Shark Tales, and you'll sell 10 uh, 10 million more. So anyways, she came on the show. I am going to read her review, I mean her biography here, um, to save some time in case you guys do not know who Barbara Corcoran is, in case you don't have a television set. All right. Barbara Corcoran's credentials include straight D's in high school and college and 20 jobs by the time she turned 23. It was her next job that would make her one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country when she took a $1,000 loan to start the Corcoran Group. As one of the sharks on ABC's hit TV show Shark Tank, Barbara has ponied up her own money and invested in 22 businesses. By the way, it's 32 businesses. She says this on the show in one of my questions, competing to make those deals for all to see, then shepherding them to success. And I'm going to stop there for a moment because I do ask her about which ones were most successful and how many of them failed and that sort of thing. And she was very candid and honest about that. Okay, onward. She says uh, her newest book, Shark Tales, which really is her oldest book that I read, Pulling the Pigtails. But nonetheless, her book, Shark Tales, takes you behind the scenes of her life and business and her scene on TV venture capitalism. Barbara is famously brash and blunt, bold and courageous, and a brilliant identifier of opportunity and talent. Quote uh, or parentheses, often invisible to others. Parentheses. So that's the deal. That's who Barbara Corcoran is. She is a real estate rock star in New York City and has definitely earned her success and has answered some brilliant questions uh, from all of you guys on Facebook and uh, some others that I created. And I'm excited to have her on the show. So without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Hey, Barbara. Hey, great. Thanks for coming on the show today. Pleasure. Nice to be with you, Pat. You are the essential real estate rock star, and I'm glad that I got you to take time out of your busy day. Why don't we jump right into it and talk a little bit about real estate? Uh, A lot of our listeners are curious, is Barbara Corcoran buying real estate currently? (laughs) I'm going to give you a disappointing answer to that. Yes, I spent $10.5 million 
but not on the kind of real estate that people want to hear about, that they're going to think, oh my God, how do I get that angle? I bought it stupidly on a beautiful penthouse apartment that I had seen 14 years ago when I was a messenger in a bad storm, and a woman told me, oh, I'll never move from this place. I said to her, call me if you do, and she did, 10 years later or so, and I overbid myself a few times, overpaid for the dungeon, <laughs> spent way too much on the renovation, but God willing, I just moved in and it's worth it. In hindsight, it's like being pregnant. Once you get a great kid, you don't mind it. But while you're pregnant for the two years, you really want to shoot yourself. Oh, my God. Two years. So you renovated for two years. What floor is it on? It's on the top floor of an old pre-war building on Central Park, right on Fifth Avenue. So it's oh a great God. location. Uh, but I have gorgeous, beautiful views, a greenhouse and a wrap terrace. And that's why I fell in love with it. Wow. So as far as like rental real estate and that sort of thing, do you get into that at all? Um, can I tell you, I've done that my whole life, but I haven't bought a damn thing in the last three years because I was so preoccupied with this stupid apartment. I'm sure if I added up how much money I lost and lost opportunity time, I would really have to just, uh, what would I have to do? Something bad to myself, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I typically buy, I buy the same old thing all the time because I'm comfortable with it. And I think comfort for me is important because I feel like I trust myself, my judgment, and the people I'm involved with. I always buy four to six story single family homes and convert them to apartments or apartments that are already railroad flats usually have rent control, rent stabilized tenants. And then as uh, they get decontrolled, you know, we have a lot of uh, red tape in New York about landlords being able to get fair market rent. But as they become deregulated, I renovate them, improve them and then get high rents. And I've bought buildings my whole life. I never sell them. I always think I'm going to sell them, but what happens in the real estate game um, which I didn't know initially, is it's always more profitable to remortgage properties and take cash out that way tax-free uh, than it is to sell the properties and take out the appreciation. You can take out the appreciation by way of second mortgages or replacement mortgages, and of course the rent rolls go up so they pay off the mortgages, and that's the real estate game or certainly the way it's played in New York City. That's awesome. So all your properties are in New York City? All of them in New York City, uh, some in, most of them, the bulk in Manhattan, because that was, of course, the earlier purchases when the only uh, safe place to live here was Manhattan, not, God forbid, the boroughs. But now I have a lot of properties in different boroughs around the city, wow. up-and-coming areas. And my trick for locating up-and-coming areas is not very sophisticated. I've done it my whole life. When I go out for dinner in a hip, like, downtown place, that would be today, I always get a gay waiter and say, hey, where are you living? And he always tells me <laughs> he's living in a... Horrific area, but it's really cool, and a lot of kids are moving in there. And the first thing I do that week is I hired an armed driver, and I go out and look at this terrible area. And that's the beginning of an up-and-coming area I have found when the creative community moves in. So the key is the gay waiter. Well, I guess you might say the key is... <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a tip for the day, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's follow the, follow the gay waiter to the money. That's making too much money. I'm, I'm talking about the poor creative. Yeah, yeah. Necessarily. And where they're living, where they're banding together to get space, and they always improve where they're living, and then it becomes a hot neighborhood three, six, seven years out. It makes a hell of a lot of sense. Let's talk some numbers. Like, do you know how many units you own? You know, I don't know how many units I own, but I know how many buildings I own, probably about 17. Wow. 18. Okay. Well, yeah. 17, 18 buildings. And yeah. then while we're talking numbers, how many companies have you invested in on Shark Tank? That I don't know. 30-something, low 30s. Wow. 
And have they all worked out? Have some not worked oh, out? What's yes, everyone's a winner. Amazing. No, of course they haven't all worked out. <laughs> no way, Jose. I would say, um, I would say roughly 25 to 30% of them. Yeah, that's about right. 25% 25 of them what? Fail or succeed? Oh, no. Succeed wildly. Okay. Jackpots. Um, yes, jackpots. Not necessarily jackpot right away, but pretty early on. They get a very fast traction, and they keep going. And the rest and just so, putter along and some I'd fail. I'd say about maybe a third of them are are still out as to possibly being a decent investment, but not a home run. The home runs start out strong, I find. And then I would say at least a third, maybe a little more than that, uh, dismal failures for a lot of reasons. Um, they were in love with the dream, had the concept, couldn't execute. Uh, partnerships, where they went in loving each other when they were expecting the baby to happen. But once the baby's born, it was so much pressure on them that it became a fighting partnership and one partner bowed out. Terrible for me as a partner, you know, mm. being yeah, yeah. Yeah. marriage. Um, what else? Uh, the uh, brother-in-law owned the patent. Uh, not them. And, of course, they're not talking to the brother-in-law and he won't give it back. When you have a lot of sales, you don't control your product. That's another one. That's turned up three or four times. Now yeah. I've learned to ask, hey, show me the proof that you own the patent. I used to just take it on face value. Not anymore. Not having, uh, probably, in fact, I should say this first, not having the ability to bounce up when they first get hit with some, some crap that uh, flies in their face, really. Um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, would-be entrepreneurs, very much love the idea of having their own business, love their new invention or their new service. They think it's the greatest. They're blinded by love, honestly. And sometimes that's good because you're too stupid to know any better. But sometimes it's very bad when all the crap hits the fan and you don't have the stamina to, to withstand it. And I would say that's the number one reason why my people fail. They just, uh, they get smashed on the head like a jack-in-the-box, and they don't know how to do that bounce right back up and say, hit me again. My great entrepreneurs who are making great money all have maybe even a lower IQ and they kind of bounce back up and say, hit me again, hit me again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the inability to feel sorry for yourself, frankly. Uh, the minute I talk with mm. my or now in the last four or five years of Shark Tank, because we've been on eight years, mm. um, what my antenna is out trying to gather as quickly as I can is uh, the first time they feel sorry for themselves. And the minute I pick that up, I know I have a loser and my money's going down the drain. And I'm telling you, every time I lose my money. Wow. That's great advice. That's great advice. Let's jump on to the Trump economy. What, uh, what is your prediction in the next four years or so? What do you think will happen with real estate, with transaction numbers, everything? I have no idea, and I don't even know how that plays out. I'm not the least political. Um, but I can tell you uh, what always affects every real estate market more than any other single factor is confidence. So if people uh, have great confidence in the leadership it is always good for all markets, stock market, real estate market, you name it, new business development, uh, everything, housing, everything, okay? Um, but when people lose confidence, it's disastrous because people are afraid to move forward, especially on something as large and as intimate and personal as a new home. Uh, they hesitate. They hesitate to sell. That's, that's a problem for real estate brokers. They hesitate to buy. That's a problem for new developers. They just hesitate. So confidence greases the skids and makes people move forward, and that's always good for all markets. So you tell me. You'd be, you'd be the fortune teller and tell me 
how much confidence people are going to have over the next four years. Who the heck knows? We're going to have to wait and see. Well, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. But so far, it seems that with Trump being, you know, he's just naturally confident. So that he's could, naturally that could... confident, yeah. But I'm talking about people's confidence in the leadership. That's really the yeah, the right, part right. Hmm. Yeah, well, it will be interesting for sure. Let me ask you a self-serving question here. Of course, I run an education company that teaches real estate agents how to sell more houses, how to make more commissions. And, you know, if I wanted to get out, let's say you were, I was a company, you were advising me, I was on Shark Tank, uh, to get out to as many real estate agents as possible, right? So that, so that they could buy my courses to learn, you know, training on how to make more money. What advice would you have for me? Well, that's a marketing question. What you have to figure out first, research-wise, is who and what out there is grabbing the greatest number of eyeballs. That would be number one. So I would think uh, Zillow. I'm going to just guess. I don't really know. I would think Zillow would be uh, a giant uh, uh, fishnet of eyeballs in the real estate business. Uh, or whether it be uh, the Real Estate Board, NAR, National Association of Realtors, I think they're losing to the big players like Zillow and myself, but you should check the numbers. Everything's checkable. It's a wonderful thing. You could do self-research today. Um, and I w- what I would then do is uh, do a, a, an analysis, which would not take long, as to how expensive it is to reach them on the different big, let's say the big five mediums out there that are reaching the most number of real estate agents. Uh, what does it cost me to grab an eyeball? Okay, And then after that, what you really need to do is get a phenomenal campaign that's clever as a fox. Not big, but clever as a fox. Something that engages people and like just resonates with them. Uh, it might be something as ridiculous as you flexing those big biceps with your tattoos on. <laughs> right? Uh, it might be you, because I see you bald a little bit, right? Yeah, just a tad. Yeah, just a tad, you know, uh, but might be you taking on and off your wig so people start talking about it. I don't, I'm just being ridiculous for a reason, but to the point that cleverness is what flies in the world of gathering lovers, viewers, people who uh, you want to resonate with. And, you know, uh, your blogging, what you're doing here, I mean, how well you're self-promoting it here on your own branding. But I really think you have to just realize how much money you can piss away throw up there against the wall and see what sticks and how long you could do it and what's the smartest way you could spend it. Not to sharpshoot and be so accurate from the beginning, but pick your best three, four, five areas to start throwing the stuff, on, stuff up on the wall to see what sticks. And if you really watch uh, your results and have a way of counting it, which is so easily done today, especially online, you should be able to tell what, where you should be putting your future money. And you know what? I don't even think a lot of it is is even future money or today's money. I think a lot of it is clever plays that you could do yourself online. You know, you don't even need a web optimization, all that fancy stuff initially. I would just poke around and try it, you know. And to a point of who you hire to do that, you know what I have used again and again since I've been on Shark Tank for the best information is I used to go when I ran the Corcoran Group, because it was a giant company, and I spent millions of dollars a year in advertising. I would work with all the top agencies in New York City, including I was working with them when I was trying to rebrand and rename some of my earlier acquisitions on Shark Tank. But guess what? I found out. I found out that their fees, the agencies were so high to rename these businesses, but if I could just describe the business in one line and do a contest with a $200 prize to all my followers, I'd pop it out there, I would get 7,000 names in return for $200 versus $7,000 for an hour of somebody's time in a big ad agency. So I think you have a good following. 
I think you could use your audience to give you immediate feedback on what's working, what's not. What do you like about it? What doesn't work? Mm. Da, 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 da. I think you have to really ask a lot of questions before you start uh, blowing, blowing a lot of energy and especially money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. That makes sense, and I think real estate agents can use that same advice in in growing their businesses. Which leads me to the the next question. And that is, what? Let's say there's agent, a real estate agent listening to this radio show, and they are struggling. Let's say they've gone into a slump, or let's say they're a brand new agent. What what advice do you have for them? Well, an agent going into a slump or brand new agents are two uh, different people. So let me separate, if you don't mind. Okay. A brand new agent going into the business. Um, I believe there are two things that are key, okay, and it's all about getting leads, okay, and getting money in your pocket. Those are the two things. You want to get leads and enough of them and fast enough and recurring enough so they get enough money in your pocket again and again. So I always think it's great to go into the real estate business as a new agent and people put their nose up at it. But I have recommended, I did it myself, I've seen people succeed wildly into the rental end of the business with this quick turnover, quick turnover, quick turnover, why you get your cash really fast. You get a lot of practice. You're showing a lot. You're showing a lot. Someone who's looking for a place to rent uh, doesn't do it with the depth and return visits and the slow pace that someone looking to buy does. So you get practice of a bat. So I think you want to get practice of a bat, and the shortcut to that is rental agents. Okay, That's one. The next thing I think you want to do is get as many leads as you can, and I think the key to getting leads is become a slave or enslave yourself to a top agent in your local market. Because the funny thing happens with top agents, they have more business than they can handle. And so they'll send the high pri- they'll sell the high price home to the parents who are buying the third home. They're very loyal. They've sold them two homes already, very high price, but then their kid wants to start a home and trust me, that top agent will handle it, but they're not excited about it. So you be their sucker and you take the young kid because they're gonna be just rich like their parents only in twenty years once the kids is eighteen and they're trading up and trading up. So I think enslaving yourself to a top agent even if it be only for six months you're around the ego the drive the work habits of someone who's actually succeeding beyond everybody else and you're going to pick up those habits or you shouldn't be in the business so that's uh, a fast start now back to or over to i've left the new agents now over to your other question or part b which is uh, what if you're in a slump the problem with slumps in real estate is it blinds you uh you don't see past your own nose a sign of a slump, I have found the same with all my agents. They kind of sit at their desk and select themselves right out of the business. In other words, they're, they're looking at houses online, looking, oh, maybe this would be good, maybe that would be good. They're going to open houses, but they're not in the, uh, they're not in the live space of a walking, talking customer for 80% of their day. And that's what you've got to be if you're a great agent. You've got to be in the strike zone, meaning with a human being that you're going to buy or sell something to. Okay, sell, buy, have, buy something have them buy or you're going to sell their home. If you're not in that area, you're not in the business. You might think you're in the business because you're at the office, but you're not in the business. Mm. And so I think you need, number one, an honesty, uh, self-evaluation as to whether you're still in the business. If you don't have the gumption to get out with people and find a way of getting your hands on people and have that drive and desire and know that's what you're supposed to be doing, you're in the wrong business because you don't have enough aggressiveness in you to pull it out. And it's an aggressive business. You know, anyone who succeeds very well in real estate might look very nice, might be very sweet, but trust me, even a idle conversations and interview, they're driven. And otherwise, they're not making top money. All right. So I think you have to have an attitude shift on are you in a slump? And if you're blinded into thinking you're in the business, but you're not with the live person, 
you're not in the business. You've got to shift your attitude to get out of the business. That's what I think. Wow. So make yourself available. Just go visit people. Go show rentals. Just go kind of get the blood flowing any way that you possibly can. And you know what? You'd be better off, honestly, when you're in a slump, you're better off getting up from your desk where you're selecting yourself out of the business online, okay? You're better off getting up from your desk, going to your local movie theater and hoping a guy gropes you next door. Whoa. At least he might be a customer. Now, I'm, I'm kidding around. But <laughs> at least you're in a movie theater with live people, okay? You're better off volunteering for your kid's school committee. You're, 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 you're better off thinking, what do I really like to do? What's my interest? And actually going and doing that, not even with the goal that you're going to hustle customers, but when you're active and doing what you like to do, people are attracted to you. Networking is a bad word, I always feel, because people think you have to go to a social where you're handing out, pawning out your business card to everybody who's there at the Chamber of Commerce. I do not find that that materializes in business, but go teach a course or be a guest lecturer for an attorney in town who's doing the licensing course and you come in and tell them what it's really like from the road. Here are the three things you did wrong. Here are the three things you did right. You are going to have adoring people who want to work for you. That's how you build your business, you know? You have to be out in front of people and any any temperature gauge you should take should just measure, am I out in front of people? And if not, how the hell do I get out in front of people? What do I got to do? There's a million things, but what do I got to do to make sure I'm out in front of people? Have you ever had an upset client that you know could have been avoided if you had just had the correct system in place with your team? Well, this is one of many reasons that I created the Certified Team Agent with Jeff Cohn out of Omaha, Nebraska. Jeff runs a team that does over 600 transactions a year. Let me read you a comment from one of our recent graduates. Steve Schwab says, this is a gem-filled pool of shiny pearls. Anyone considering building a team and taking it beyond where the common team operates today should definitely invest here. I can't recommend this course high enough. Six stars if that's available. Have you ever lost a listing and were absolutely sure when you're on the appointment that the listing was yours? You were absolutely sure when you returned home after the listing appointment that you got that one in the bag and then got a call or an email later that said, we've decided to list with someone else. Well, that feeling, which I've personally had myself, is what inspired me to create the Certified Listing Agent course, where I filmed eight agents' listing appointments, eight top agents from around the world, their listing appointments, and analyzed them word by word. Here's a comment from someone, one of our recent graduates. Are you looking to take the listing presentation to the next level? I've closed 100% of the listing appointments since I took this course. To be specific, five appointments, five new clients in the last 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every dollar. Bill Rieg, Versant Real Estate. Have you ever had a listing and then lost the listing to an agent who immediately dropped the price and sold it after you did all the work and put all the time in? and got paid nothing, that is what inspired me to create our CPRC course, the Certified Price Reduction course. Listen to what one of our recent graduates has to say about this. 
After taking this course, I immediately called all three of my listings and got three very significant price reductions. Thank you, Pat. Here's a quote from one of our recent graduates on the price reduction course. Immediately after I took this course, I called all three of my sellers. I used a different script that I learned in the course on each one and got a significant price reduction on each listing. I would never have done that if it were not for the confidence that I had gained from taking this course. So Rockstar Nation, you could see that all of the current courses on rebusuniversity.com are producing very, very happy students. Go to rebusuniversity.com now and in the coupon code, type in the word podcast for a 50% off gift certificate on any of the three courses I just mentioned. Rebusuniversity.com. That's R-E-B-U-S. Let me take it to another scale of the going from the bottom to the top here, because I know you had a lot of high producing uh, real estate agents in your company and you were a high producing real estate agent yourself. What would you tell uh, a high producing real estate agent today, knowing that high producing agents tend to churn, you know, that you might see one that's a top producer three, three years ago that now no one's ever heard of. And there's a new guy in town that's uh, taking all the leads. What advice do you have someone who's on top right now? Um, well, actually, that, that description you just gave me, I've never experienced, honestly. I think a top producer stays a top producer. They might have a little off year, uh, but they don't lose their market to the next guy, even the new kid in town. It's the lower producer that loses their market all the time to the new kid in town because they're not aggressive enough, nor feel fearful enough, nor warrior enough uh, to protect their turf and keep building on it. So top producers, I don't find, do uh, lose their business to the new kid in town at all. You know what they do that's a lot smarter? They hire the new kid in town, then they hire yeah. somebody else, and they kind of collect their business for themselves, all right? And um, I have worked with so many top producers over the years who turned ancient on my watch. They're much older than me when they first started working with me, and I wondered if they would indeed ever retire. And believe it or not, uh, all those agents that started with me when I started my firm 35 years ago are still top producers, and they could hardly walk, okay? But you know what they were smart enough about? They are surrounded by young people who know social media, who bring in other leads to them. Uh, they have created businesses around themselves, you know, just keep gobbling up, gobbling up. And that's exactly what a top, a top producer should do. Definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, surround yourself with younger people so that you're constantly being pushed back up and you, there's push well, up. Hungry, younger, hungry people, hungry, hungry people. Right. And now, Barbara, in your bio, it says that you're a brilliant identifier of opportunity and talent, often invisible to others. Can you Ooh, give us some tips? <laughs> no, that's not true. I don't know where you got that. Invisible <laughs> to others. Ooh, sounds like a tarot card reading. So what, what was it again that you want? <laughs> I was just saying, you know, what, what does somebody look for when they're looking for opportunity or how, how do you find opportunity that others don't see? Well I, well, I do believe that all opportunity, every bit of it, is in people. You know, there's no opportunity outside of people. I mean, even if you have a, a great stock tip and you're going to make a killing, that's a result of somebody having the tip and sharing it with you, right? 
And so what, and I, you know, I, I kind of like just do it like breathing in a way. So, and I always have, so I don't really, I, you're making it hard for me. I'm like thinking, okay, why? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking, okay, what, what goes into that? You know what I think it comes down to? I think it comes down to I'm very black and white. I either trust somebody or I don't. I either believe them or I don't. I either think they're confident based on the first impression they're acting or I don't. I think they're enormously insecure or I don't. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. On Shark Tank, I look for the insecure people. You know, mm. the people where the dad said you'll never be anything mm. or the guy that never had a dad or um, uh, somebody who struggled in school and was a dunce all through school and now they have something to prove. I'm always looking for the one who struggled because they have a burning desire different than the privileged kid that have everything handed to them and has been on the luxury cruises and really isn't, isn't dreaming at night about what that house he could buy because his parents had such a big house they could never measure up. You know, so I like a needy person and I can pick that up because I'm a needy person. So like-minded souls, like, oh, you're insecure, I'm insecure. You're needy, I'm needy. I've got a big ego. You've got a big ego. Oh, I can really struggle well, and I'm a, I'm a, I come through all the time. I'm just like a killer. I'll hit that finish line. Oh, I could pick that up in you. You're a killer too, and that's who I marry. I don't mean marry physically, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I buy into, and and you know, it's no different from hiring inexperienced agents. When I hired thousands of agents over the years working for the corporate group, I look for all the same traits, and most of that was kind of an intuitive thing. And when I found myself on Shark Tank, thinking, oh, crap, all I know is real estate. I, don't, I know nothing about these other kinds of businesses. I'm going to really have to fake it. I did fake it for two years. And then I realized, wait, I know this business. It's just picking people. It's exactly like picking great salespeople. Look for the same stuff, and you'll have a winner. Ignore that stuff, and you'll have a loser. And that's exactly what it's been ever since. I love that. It's, uh, I remember meeting a guy once who says he always hires single moms that never went to college because he knows that they have a huge desire to prove themselves wow nice one i like that yeah well this has been great barbara i really appreciate you taking time let's wrap this up with one last piece of advice to all the real estate agents out there that are listening that are saying you know how can i make more commissions this coming year what advice do you have for them Uh, that's like a such a big general question there's really no general advice except that let me think i hate these kind of wide-ended questions but i'll tell you what (laughs) go for it what you have to do is you have to realize that you're probably in one of the best businesses in the whole world, okay? You not only are totally free and working for yourself, you can totally control your day and everything you do with it. Nobody's telling you what to do. You're in business for yourself, okay? Not only are you acting as a trader uh, between people initially in the business, but you could become hyper-aware of a great deal And if you've got the knowledge, you'll always find an investor to go into a deal with you. So you shouldn't be looking at it like you're a real estate agent on a transaction basis for the next guy. You can do transactions for yourself. Um, What I've done my whole life is any investment property I ever bought into, I was too busy to know the markets other than that one trip at night to see if I could sense that it's an up-and-coming area. But then to drill down on the right property is very hard. It's time-consuming. So I would just look for a poor agent, a young agent, really needy, who really knew the beat of that particular area, and I would give them 10% of the deal. Why? Because they had the knowledge, which I didn't have, and why did they go for that deal? Because I had the cash they didn't have, and I could get the funding for it. And so I have partners in all of my properties. And mm. you know, I, would, I could have never, in hindsight, you know, I, I sold my business for $66 million. At the time, I thought, wow, that's a lot of cash, right? It is a lot of cash. I respect that. 
Um, but what I never understood is the whole time I was buying properties, the whole time I was in the real estate career, hardship properties, um, up-and-coming areas that nobody else saw but a smart agent saw it or I found it through the poor person who had just moved there and I knew it was a hip place or going to be. All that stuff was all by accident. And in the end, it wound up being worth much more to me than my 14-hour days every day of the week working as a real estate broker. Isn't that funny? The sidekicks, the things that took virtually no time except picking the right people to be my partner, became my real fortune in the business. And so I think you have to realize that what you get in the real estate agent arena is total freedom to make from it whatever you want, as far as you could dream. If you're smart enough to say, what do I got, what, what I don't have, and how do I find somebody who's got the shit that I don't have? And it's that coupling of stuff that makes the magic happen. So I think maybe looking beyond the next deal and also thinking, I'm a dealer. I could be a dealer because there's always a guy with cash who's going to put money into something if you're convincing enough that you know what you're doing. Wow. Well, that's awesome. And you're certainly proof of that. And uh, the sky is the limit, Barbara. Thank you so much for coming on Real Estate Rockstars today. Our Rockstar Nation salutes you and the best of luck to you in all your future endeavors. Okay, Pat, make sure you keep working out those biceps. They're looking very good. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday, but in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.